the the next one is uh para para ethisia uh, i fucking don't know (laughs) but it it says tingling or prickling okay Ah. the next thing is oh parasthesis something yeah (laughs) yeah let's let's not try to say that (laughs) hey i'm nick i'm leonard and we're here to take you through a weekly deep dive into the Rebel, Rebel News, News Network. Network. The Rebel News Network is an alt-right media source here in Canada that is bringing misinformation and spreading bad ideas throughout the land. Our job is to look at what they're saying, decipher it, and try to make sense of it. Coming at you, episode 22. Leonard, Nick, how are you doing today? Doing good. How are you doing? I am also doing good. Very good. Nice. Excellent. It is absolutely gorgeous today, and it's my day off, and I'm going to go get sunburned. (laughs) Hell yeah. Nice. Unintentionally, of course. I got got some some sunscreen, but the other day I rode my bike to work, and I was like, I'm going to wear a tank top and start tanning my arms and shoulders a bit. And that resulted in me having bright red arms and shoulders. <laughs> always, always. Oh my god. Oh, it was rough. It was a rough day or two, but I got over it quick. Yeah. I burn fast, but I uh, I heal quick, so we're good. Turns into kind of a base tan, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, my my fair porcelain skin does the same thing. If I'm outside for over half an hour, some part of my body will be burnt. <laughs> so yeah. annoying. I know it's rough, but that's okay. Yeah, it's all we'll, right. We'll, we'll make it through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, cool, uh, man. What are you drinking today, Leonard? You know, I've just got some uh, some good old green tea. Actually, you know what? I've I've been making my own green tea, lemongrass iced tea. So I'm like brewing some green tea so just like bag green tea and i uh smash up some uh some fresh lemongrass and just let that kind of soak and then i put that in the fridge overnight and it just makes such a refreshing kind of green tea beverage that i have in my fridge all the time it's like that extra kind of caffeine jolt that's what i got going on and who are you cheersing your green tea to today well you know it is father's day so i'm gonna send out a cheers to my dad who for 38 years has been, you know, the guy who supported me financially and he was the sole worker in the family. So he busted his ass to put food on our table and kind of keep the, the, uh, the household running and stuff like that growing up and never had to want for anything, which was really nice. Um, every time I would have, you know, and, you know, being kind of starting out on your own at 18, 19, 20 years old, money is tight. You know, he never went without a walk to the vehicle where he opened his wallet and, you know, gave me a 50 or a hundred just to help me out for the week. So cheers out to dad. He, uh, he deserves, he deserves the day for sure. There you go. How about you, buddy? To to Papa Leonard and all the fathers out there, right? Absolutely. Uh, I'm gonna actually cheers. Well, I suppose I would uh, I would be rude to not have a cheers to my stepdad. Um, of course, I don't know my biological father. Never have, nor do I want to. 
but I have had a stepdad in my life since I was nine. We've had our ups and downs, but I think we have a pretty good relationship now. And uh, even during our downs, you know, he was just a guy trying to do his best. And I've yeah. been in a situation in the past in my life where I had a stepfather type role. Um, I've been in relationships with uh, um, women with children before. And uh, it's tough, man. It's challenging. So uh, I got to give a shout out to him because, man, I was a fucking asshole. And he could be an asshole sometimes, too. But (laughs) my levels of asshole, I think, might have surpassed his. So he did a pretty good job, right? It's it's challenging. It's super challenging. um, Raising children, I think there's just a level of challenge uh, that's a bit higher when it's not yours, uh, when it's not your kid, right? Yeah, that's not to say that there's not a ton of amazing people out there raising children that aren't theirs. But I mean, I can just think about my bond with our dogs. My partner came into our relationship with a dog who was a little less than a year old when we started dating. And I love her. I love the dog. She's awesome. Um, She's great. But then we got a dog together that I had from an eight week old puppy. And I just have a different bond with him. You yeah, know, I guess eh? it's just a little bit deeper and I get it. And, and therefore on a father's day, let's, uh, let's give a cheers to my stepdad and all the other stepdads out there that yeah. are killing it and really doing a good job. Right. For sure. Yeah. I think a stepdad definitely needs, you know, a little bit special recognition because of that. Like at 38 years old, I could not imagine all of the sudden having a nine-year-old son or, or daughter or, you know, somebody, and then, and then having a complicated relationship on top of that, that that would be tough. Well, imagine this, Leonard, my mother had me when she was 20. And so (laughs) 38, when she was 38 and my stepdad's the same age, they're, they're, they're about the same age, give or take a year or two. So he was under 40 with an 18 year old shithead running around. I, and I was a like I don't say it lightly. I'm not gonna get into it. I was a fucking asshole. You know, I was I was um angry. I'm a big oversized lug of a kid who had too much testosterone, and I was angry. I was angry at everybody, and like teenagers are. But my anger yeah. <laughs> meant a little bit more because <laughs> my anger was 280 pounds at 16. Right? Like, oh my god. Yeah. So yeah, I couldn't imagine that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, you know, thank you, Mike, um, for, for being there for me. And I know you've always done your best. So yeah, here's to the dads and stepdads and stepdads. All right, let's get into it. Let's do it, buddy. What's going on in the rebel sphere this week, Leonard? So I'm going to bring it back to Alberta for a little bit. Uh, the Premier Jason Kenney just announced that Alberta will be fully open by July 1st, meaning that all public health restrictions will be lifted. Here we so, go. Right? So full capacity everywhere. No more mask mandate. You know, full uh, open of, of churches, everything. And this is as Alberta reached the 70% benchmark for first doses. But it's also as the Delta variant is making its rounds around the world. Um, so with this tweet that Jason Kenney put out uh, at Irwin 2012, uh, also tweeted, if Jason Kenney is right, he's a hero. On the other hand, if 
Jason Kennedy is if Jason Kennedy is wrong, he becomes the reason for the increasing number of sick and dying Albertans, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know, man. But uh, there's a there's an article in Al Jazeera English, uh, and I watched the kind of the subsequent news story this morning about it uh, from a, 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 an article out of the UK or a study out of the UK that says that if you have the two doses of the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine, you're 96% protected against hospitalization due to the Delta variant. Uh, if you have AstraZeneca, it's 92%. Unfortunately, the, the, the study didn't actually go through the Moderna vaccines, which I have the Moderna vaccine, but it's mRNA. So I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say the probably results around are probably the same, the same as Pfizer. Yeah, I would say between 96 and 92 would, would probably where Moderna would, would fit in. Yeah. Um, and that was a study of 14,000 people. So quite a, quite a good study there. Um, for people who just have a single dose, um, a quote from a doctor who was uh, in the article, after a single dose of Pfizer-BioNTech, you have a 79% um, protection against the Delta variant or going to into the hospital from the Delta variant. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry, I'm misreading that. So after a single dose, 79% had a quantifiable neutrality against the original COVID strain, but then fell to 32% for the Delta variant. So that second dose is crucial for people to get, right? Uh, And if if Alberta is only at 70% of first doses and they're planning on opening up in July 1st, that's a really tight time margin, right? Like, don't you think? Well, the first thing to address is Alberta's not actually at 70%. Um, I saw a breakdown from a medical doctor in Alberta yesterday on Twitter that used the stats from the Alberta government website in raw form to show that they were actually misrepresenting the 70%. It It was a combination of adding together first and second doses that made it into 70%. There's right. actually just a little bit under 60% of the population of Alberta um, has gotten the first dose. Um, Alberta, as you're probably going to talk about, as we've talked about in the past, as I'm going to be mentioning later in my piece, is one of the worst cases of vaccine hesitancy as a province um, in all of Canada, right? So oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's very problematic getting people to get their first dose. And the Alberta government not only is demonstrating a complete lack of understanding of approach and just reasonable response and opening everything even if they were at the 70 percent mark but then they're also misrepresenting actual dosage um, and they're only at about 59 and change percent of first doses so it's unfortunately going to be a fucking shit show yeah right and then like the lifting of the mask mandate to me is the most concerning, especially somebody who works in the service industry, as we've mentioned repeatedly before. The risk is just there and it's, oh, it's, it's very anxiety inducing to think about having to serve tables inside maskless while this Delta variant is going around. And, you know, okay, sure, it's, it won't put you in the hospital with, if you have the two doses 
you know, even even if you have the first dose, hospitalizations may you know may go down, but you're still going to get sick. Like the 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 chances of you getting this extra virulent kind of rendition of the disease, you're, you're still going to get sick, and you're still going to have to stay home, and it's still going to spread. So, and you're going to spread just, it, and it's going to mutate, and it's going to oh, right. And God, I'm, right, and then we're going to be right back to square one again, potentially. Yeah. So, you know, as, as optimistic as I want to be about it, you know, obviously you have to be realistic about it. And I just don't know (laughs) what's going to happen in the next few months about like, it's, it's really up in the air and that's kind of what it's. We all want, we want life to go back to normal. We want things to happen. You just have to have a bit more of a measured approach. Like if we look at things like Kenny wants to. Kenny wants to remove all restrictions because he wants to have a full tilt stampede, Calgary stampede happening in or starting in early July. And he wants to be the hero and that'll be something that puts him in a good light, but they could still have stampede and be more reasonable in the restrictions. Like it's, it's just, it's going to turn into a mess. It has great potential to be disastrous with the increased spread of the Delta variant in Alberta and and just kind of going full tilt like BC we're opening up again we're we're lifting restrictions and it, it's coming but it's coming in stages not just like all right here we go yeah <laughs> two weeks well, ago Alberta's gyms were all still closed now you're gonna tell me in another week and a half like everything is open again with no restrictions it's it's insane yeah well, it's just a rejection of the facts, right? It's a rejection of the truth when it comes to like, this is a, a virus and a disease that you cannot control. And this, you know, Alberta's, what Alberta is doing is political, 100% political. And you know, that, that politics could potentially kill another, you know, hundred or you know, few thousand people. So it's, I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to see. But uh, on the kind of good news front, a federal court rejected Rebel News and a few other applicants that challenged the Charter of Rights and Freedoms against the COVID hotels. So you mean, federal- you mean the Trudeau's COVID jails? COVID, yeah, that's right. Trudeau's COVID jails. Um, yeah, so a federal court denied uh, Rebels' claim that quarantine hotels and mandatory testing for returning travelers is against the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. There are a couple of other people listed in this court case who had some legitimate exemptions due to anxiety of going into these COVID hotels and what have you. But in large, the judge dismissed the entire case. And here's a portion of the judge. So he says, I recognize that those who have second residences abroad or other good reasons to travel may not welcome such measures, particularly if they are required to pay for some of them. So that's meaning like um, the COVID hotels, you have to stay, it's mandatory to stay, but you have to pay for those hotels yourself, which could actually lead up to like over a thousand dollars in charges. But I digress about that. However, he continues, Like times of war and other crises, pandemics call for sacrifices to save lives and avoid broad-based suffering. If some are unwilling to make such sacrifices, 
and engage in behavior that pose a demonstrated risk to the health and safety of others, the principles of fundamental justice will not prevent the state from performing its essential function of protecting its citizens from that risk. And then he cites uh, some precedent from that. Of course, like other principles, the principles of fundamental justice have their limits, but I consider there to be, I consider that there is currently additional leeway within those principles before resort must be had for section one of the charter. So there's other things that can happen there. So that's awesome. This can now be put to rest, right? Well, of course, Ezra is going to waste more people's money and appeal the decision. I guess it's their right. They, they can do that. But the big concern for me is that I think someone who knowingly and repeatedly goes or sorry, it's it's like somebody who notedly, knowingly and repeatedly goes to the emergency room and claiming they're sick while they're not. So they're getting blood tests done, they're seeing nurses and doctors and spending a day at the hospital. It's a waste of money and resources. And that's what these kind of court cases are. It's a waste of taxpayer dollars. It's a waste of the judge's time. It's a waste of the lawyer's time. It's just a giant waste of time and money for some kind of notoriety. Yeah, yeah, exactly trying to push trying to jam their shitty idea through the courts in Canada and it's not going to work out so yeah and I mean it's like using the courts as your own way to make the news like we talk about rebel creating the news and then reporting on it this is this is a very expensive and irresponsible way to do it yeah and that's all it is it's a it's a way to muster up some publicity yeah, and, and maybe if they're talking with the courts, then maybe CBC and other mainstream media sources will be forced to say the name Ezra Levant or Rebel News, and I think that's what Ezra gets off on. I think so too. That's to his kink. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe that is his. Kink. He wants CBC Christ. reporters to say his name. That's his kink. <laughs> <laughs> he he hires sex workers and has them dress up as <laughs> CBC reporters and just say his name. Oh, every time he hears Ezra Levant, he just bites that lower lip. <laughs> God. <laughs> but we'll see. I guess we'll see how this goes. Uh, so the the thing to note here is that as Alberta opens starting July first federal restrictions will still be in place. So things like travel bans, things like these COVID hotels, those will still be around here in Alberta uh, because that's a federal restriction. So they'll still have some shit to talk about, but things like, hey, Grace Life Church and you know the other kind of martyrs of you know Archer Pulowski's and stuff like that, who knows, maybe they'll start to kind of go back into the fringes because the provincial stuff will be lifted. Yeah. Time will tell, Leonard. Time will tell. Finally here, I've got um, a, a tweet from Rebel News about Ezra reacting to Jon Stewart's recent appearance on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. So another, we can now add satire to the growing list of words that Rebel and their followers don't understand. So he took exception to Jon Stewart's appearance on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, where Jon Stewart joked 
that it was all but certain that COVID came from a Wuhan Chinese lab. Um, now, well, Nick, you'll remember. Oh, I will. I will say. So you sent me this, and I watched it, and I thought that it was going to be a typical Ezra is just totally making shit up because that's what he does most of the time. But uh, I was actually looking into it, and people are pretty genuinely confused as to whether or not Jon Stewart was being serious because he said several times that he was being serious. And then at the end, he said something about conspiracy theories. And so people were kind of like, what the fuck is his stance? And I got to say, I watched it and I don't, uh, I don't disagree. I'm confused too. I, I tried to look at Jon Stewart's Twitter and shit and I couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Ezra's got it figured out. And I think Ezra wants to play the narrative up to whatever it is he's trying to prove. Um, but the reality is, is that he was trying to basically say that this is, if they were saying this stuff on YouTube, YouTube would have demonetized them. But yeah, it's different when you know someone's kind of going off the rails like that like Ezra is saying it in an attempt to influence people and make people think a certain way John Stewart if that is his view that it came from a lab that's a shitty view but that wasn't the intention of Stephen Colbert putting him on there and who knows maybe they voluntarily took the monetization off of that video which is something you can do on YouTube if you think you're going to violate them rather yeah. than getting flagged and getting your videos taken down. Like, I think Jon Stewart was saying some weird shit, but at the end of the day, it doesn't fit into Ezra's narrative with this piece that him saying the same thing results in, in being demonetized on YouTube because Ezra said a lot of shitty things for a lot of years before he got demonetized. Well, and see, that's the thing too, is that Ezra calls himself a journalist rebel news is a news agency they're there to tell the other side of the story they say what they say is factual where john stewart has never ever 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 claimed to be an authority in any way other than a comedian um so sure okay he might have been a bit manic about it his appearance i watched the appearance and yeah he seemed a bit manic but that could have just been the the energy of you know it was the first episode of the late show back with a full audience and this and that and but he's a comedian what he says 99 percent of the time in public is a joke unless he says otherwise for example he's a humongous advocate for 9-11 first responders, survivors. So he has really taken to the task to go to the US Congress and really advocate for the police and firefighters who responded to 9-11 and have long-term medical issues. So in that regard, if he's speaking about that kind of stuff that he has a public interest in and has been public about his advocacy for those people when it comes to an appearance on the late show as john stewart i don't know i don't know if i could take that seriously um yeah and this isn't the first time either that you know the conservative base or a conservative pundit has gone off after john stewart for this um in 2012 he had a huge uh debate with bill o'reilly and laura ingram who are are still, uh, you know, Bill O'Reilly's gone now, but Laura Ingram is still around in Fox News. 
And he had a, a, a few of these debates in that 2012 time where he had to constantly remind them that the Daily Show is a satirical look at the news. He's not an authority of the news and he doesn't even make the claim to be a newsmaker or part of the news. And that this is where I think the conservatives and people from Rebel and that sphere just don't quite understand. He's not coming at it as an authority, like yeah. Rebel is, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, so that's that's it there. That's what we that's what we've got for the week. So who knows? I guess uh, you know uh, you know Rebel and, and Ezra's gripe is like you said, if they can do it, why can't we? Well, you have to see the kind of the nuance of it. If you're going to claim that you're a news agency, then be a news agency. But if you're going to be a satirical website that trolls, then embrace that and go with that as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's I mean, even even if Jon Stewart was being serious again, yeah, Stephen Colbert is not claiming to be uh, a purporter of truth, right? He's like he's interviewing somebody on a entertainment show there right so yeah it's it's ridiculous and yeah, yeah the odds are even as confused as all of us might be right now odds are john stewart's just trolling i mean look at stephen colbert like on his show his whole career in this realm started with him trolling bill o'reilly and pretending to be some caricature of bill o'reilly right like that's, that's right yeah that's what stephen colbert that's what the colbert rapport was and yeah like so they they have a history of trolling trolling people especially people who are a bit wackadoo in their thinking <laughs> <laughs> well i just don't think conservatives have a sense of humor in that regard like they they know slapstick comedy they can make tasteless raceless uh, racist jokes about stereotypes and uh, you know, they love Jeff Dunham. They love a good ventriloquist that <laughs> that does like racist stereotypes. Probably love Carrot Top. You know, of course. But when it comes to satire and when it comes to, you know, comedy that kind of makes you think a little bit, maybe maybe outside of their sphere of in influence. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, yeah, so how about uh, you guys let us know what you think? Um, you know, do conservatives have a sense of humor? What do you think about Jon Stewart going onto the late show and kind of spouting that off? Um, shoot us an email, show at love of truth pod. Uh, tweet us at love of truth pod. We would love to hear from you about that. So, Nick, what, uh, what are you working on this week? All right. So, Leonard. As much as I'm tired of talking about Rebels' shitty take on COVID-19, <laughs> I wanted to cover this, um, mostly because it's an actual Ezra Levant piece uh, that isn't behind a paywall, oh, but okay. also because basically everything Ezra says here is complete bullshit, and I want to make sure that I point that out. So, yeah, generally speaking, I wish I could do more Ezra pieces, um, because not only is he the rebel commander, as he calls himself, <laughs> but I think he's also much more sinister and dangerous than many of the other rebel reporters, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, most of his content, like I said, is behind a paywall, so we're limited in what we can say. Um, 
But since we have a rare opportunity to listen to the Rebel Commander today, let's let him speak for himself. (laughs) This is titled, COVID Isn't the Killer Anymore, Lockdowns Are. I think the lockdowns and the shutdowns and the quarantines and the harm done by politicians in the past 18 months rivals any war in terms of sheer devastation. Ooh, boy, Leonard. <laughs> We're off Yikes. to a real good start here. So I, I just couldn't let this one go. I just, I, it, it were 13 seconds in and I was like, fuck you. I was screaming. <laughs> so I, I look at, so according to Wikipedia, uh, there was 70 to 85 million people died as a re- direct result of World War II. Um, 50 to 56 million died directly from war causes with another approximate 19 to 28 million dying as a result of disease and or famine brought on by the war. So the total number of deaths for that period of time in World War II accounted for approximately 3% of the world's population at that time. So according to a Reuters article, two days ago, we surpassed 4 million COVID-19 deaths globally. Let's do some quick math. In order for policies around COVID-19 to be as devastating or more than any war ever, we would need to see at least 3% of the population die. So 3% of 7.9 billion, which is the current global population, is 237 million people. So that means Ezra is essentially claiming that what he views as poor COVID-19 policies by governments will result in at least 233 million deaths, which would be 59.25 times more deaths than the actual disease COVID-19, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's mind-blowing. Like I just spouted off a bunch of big numbers and it might, may or may not make sense. But I want to sensationalize what would be represented in reality if what Ezra was saying was fucking true at all, right? And I just wanted to show how out to lunch this fucking blockhead is. Like, it just (laughs) fucking drives me crazy, man. It's Yeah. I don't understand how somebody can just be so full of shit and so okay with it. We're 13 seconds in and I'm so fucking mad. Ugh. Yeah, and that's the that that's yeah, for me also, that's the most mind-boggling thing about even the existence of rebel news and even that side of media or politics or whatever you want to say, like they can willingly mislead and say these kinds of things. That uh the the fact that COVID-19 had killed or has killed more people than all of the wars combined. I think that was released a year ago. I think that that was that was a that was a news story about a year ago when the states were still just like 200,000 deaths in or something like that. So he's coming back full circle to really old arguments to begin with. Yeah. And it and it's all full of shit. Like I mean, yeah. You know, I'm going to get into a little bit more about like government policy and stuff after and there's definitely some negative effects from COVID lockdowns, but Absolutely. To the tune of 233 million deaths when we're only looking at 4 million COVID deaths. Like if that were true, it would be this like 
revolutionary style catastrophe that the entire world would be up in arms about like it's yeah. just it's just such fucking bullshit anyway <laughs> as much as it pains me to say this leonard let's let him continue to talk <laughs> a little bit more uh, this isn't a new idea or a conservative idea here's a liberal newspaper the new york times a year ago just a month into the crisis um, that was when people were still open-minded to what was happening and what the response should be. That's when some people still believed two weeks to flatten the curve really meant that this would just be a quick bump in the road, not a permanent change in our lives. All right. So here Ezra is showing a, a New York Times article that's titled, Instead of Coronavirus, the Hunger Will Kill Us, a Global Food <laughs> Crisis. So that was published in April uh, April 22nd, 2020. And claiming that this somehow supports Ezra's narrative is just such bullshit. I looked up the article and it is a grim article, but not in the way that Ezra wants his viewers to think. Um, the article is talking about the fact that COVID-19 has disproportionately bad effects on poorer nations. And, and I'll read a little section from the article here. So, quote, the coronavirus has sometimes been called an equalizer because it has sickened both rich and poor. But when it comes to food, the commonality ends. It is poor people, including large segments of poorer nations who are now going hungry and facing the prospect of starving. The coronavirus has been anything but a great equalizer, said Asha Jafar, a volunteer who brought food to families in the Nairobi slum of Kibera. Uh, and and after the fatal stampede. So I'll just go back for a second. At the beginning of the article, they had talked about um, some food becoming available to people in poorer parts of Nairobi, Kenya. And essentially, people were so hungry, there was a huge stampede to get to these food supplies. And a couple oh, of people wow. died as a result, and many were injured. Um, so that's the stampede, the fatal stampede they're talking about. So yeah. back to the quote, back to the article. Uh, it's been a great revealer, pulling the curtain back on the class divide and exposing how deeply unequal this country is. Already, 135 million people have been facing acute food shortages. But now, with the pandemic, 130 million more could go hungry in 2020, um, said Arif Hussein, the chief economist at the World Food Program, a United Nations agency. Altogether, an estimated 265 million people could be pushed to the brink of starvation by the year's end. We've never seen anything like this before, Mr. Hussein said. It, was, it wasn't a pretty picture to begin with, but this makes it tr a truly unprecedented and uncharted territory. Okay. So Ezra wants people to think that um, this is a result of immediate policies tied to the coronavirus, which is partially true. But the reality is that COVID-19 has shown uh, that after decades of global inequality, an event like this pandemic can destroy a system that was already teetering on the brink of collapse for a long time. Mm -hmm. Ezra wants to see the fact that there is potential food shortage for 265 million Nigerians, which is awful. Um, but there was already a serious food shortage for 135 million people before the pandemic. How right. is this okay? Like, it just pisses me off that Ezra tries to use stuff like this 
to back his shitty ideas because in reality, he couldn't care less about the people of Kenya. In fact, he openly supports politicians and political parties that would be happy to just pretend Kenya didn't even exist and offer no support to them uh, or any other real impoverished nations in the world. So fuck you, Ezra. Yes, that whole, that whole, uh, why do we have to send them money when we can't even take care of our own people? Yeah, exactly. So it's just him co-opting another cause to, to, to increase his own narrative. Yeah, I, well, I, and, and there really is a minimalizing problem. it too, right? Like really minimalizing it. Yeah. And there is a problem and there's many problems totally. that we have to sort out, but the, the thing is, is that nothing else that Ezra does or says in his life supports the solving of any of those fucking problems. No. Anyway. Next in the video, he goes on to complain that there are nine new billionaires as a result of COVID-19 vaccines. <laughs> and to that, I say, yeah, fuck all billionaires and fuck for profit medicine in all cases. Yeah. But is that the stance that Ezra would take? <laughs> considering Ezra screams socialism at the erecting of a new traffic light. <laughs> I, I can't fucking imagine he's particularly fond of socialized medicine. So he really should be okay with people becoming uber rich off of vaccine production. Leonard, it's the lack of consistency in his fucking arguments that drives me bonkers, man. Yeah. It, he just changes his stance on any issue just to fit his narrative in that moment. And then he switches back to whatever shitty other thing he wants to say. It just drives me nuts. Yeah, I, I think that's, a, that's an alt-right trope. I think that's, uh, that's something that's been well-established that people in Ezra's world and Ezra and even conservative politicians now that kind of embrace that alt-right side, that's what they do. They, they, they'll use anecdotes and they'll use things that have absolutely no comparison in the realm of reality. And they just don't get it. They don't get, they have to, they have to make some kind of argument, but yeah, it just makes them sound even more ignorant and even more moronic. Right. To us. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. to their listeners, it, it, I don't know. I, I don't understand how anyone could fall for this, but anyway, moving on. Uh, he goes on to talk shit about chief medical officers saying that they've become celebrities during the pandemic. Well, wow. I guess people get to know your name when you're updating them on a deadly global pandemic every day. Yeah. I didn't know who Bonnie Henry was until the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Dina Hinshaw. Or or Dina else, Hinshaw. Right? Yeah, right. Anyway, this was quickly followed by Ezra saying that the governments also use the pandemic as a way to change voting laws. And, and he shows a headline from ABC News about voting by mail. Uh, fuck off, Ezra. People <laughs> have been able to vote by mail for a long time, and it's just something that became more prevalent out of necessity due to a fucking deadly viral pandemic. You stupid piece of shit. <laughs> right? But there is, in, in their world, I don't think there is a pandemic because clearly they think that we are now in an Orwellian dystopia kind of setting minus the global fucking pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just another way to reinforce that narrative on the right of how you got to make voting harder for people because fairness or something. 
when realistically, if there's one human right we have as people living in North America, if there's one thing that's been determined to be a right, I suppose it's democracy and our ability to vote. Uh, So that's the one thing everybody should be able to do no matter what their circumstance is. So in a circumstance like a pandemic, you have to find a way to allow everyone to vote in a, a fairly. Yeah. And uh, at this point, <laughs> I, I'm more likely to think that if someone's going to be cheating voters, it's going to be Trump supporters than more than, uh, you know, Biden supporters were in the last uh, U.S. election because they seem to care a lot more about Donald Trump does winning then the left cares about Joe Biden winning, right? Yeah. Well, actually, I was just watching um, Bill Maher yesterday, um, and one of his guests was talking was was kind of just basically talking about that. How now, you know, before COVID, you would have jokes about the militia. You would have, you know, they go play out in the woods, or they're out of touch, or yokels, or this and that. But now with the pandemic, you have these groups and obviously they've they've established they, they've given proof that they're they're willing to act just through January 6th. Right. January 6th now can be that litmus test of where how far they're willing to go. Um, and now with these a lot of these, you know, self-proclaimed militias popping up they're they're actually becoming a real threat and they're more than willing to use violence. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not a joke anymore. And yeah, that's the thing is, if you look at, (laughs) like, you just look at the situation of Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, like, Trump supporters are willing to fight and die and take over the Capitol for Donald Trump, and they worship him and they dress up like him and they wear his shirts and they wear his hats. The people who support Joe Biden, by and large, support him simply because they don't want Donald Trump in power, not because they think Joe Biden's the next God King that everyone thinks Donald Trump is, right? So it's just such a stark contrast in in realities there. So anyway, if we want to talk about voter fraud, uh, Ezra, that's a topic for another time. But what I will say is I'm more likely to think the Trump supporters are going to be in favor of voter fraud at this time than anything else. So, Oh, totally. Yeah. All right. Up next, Leonard, we get this gem. (laughs) I'd have to do the math. I think proportionately the Black Death plague killed more people in the 14th century. The entire world's population back then was only about 400 million and, and up to 100 million died. There were plagues in other eras too, but I'm not talking about disease. Yep, there we go, Leonard. We're comparing oh, modern okay. day with the 14th century. When looking at public health, you fucking nailed it, Ezra. You nailed I'm it. I'm not surprised. That, I'm not surprised the least bit. We're I mean, talking the- about a time when people literally threw buckets of shit and pee out their window into the streets. We don't have clean drinking water. There's no such thing as plumbing. Yeah. Um, disease was rampant. Vaccinations didn't exist. Medicine consisted of throwing leeches on somebody like, or chopping yeah. off their limb. Like he's just fucking grasping at straws here. It's, oh, <laughs> right. Well, false comparisons and a, and then second read a history book. 
Yeah. <laughs> like you said, about the time that's going on in that 14th century. But I'm not surprised because the, the fact that maybe they want to go back to the 14th century or keep that kind of shit going, I, yeah, I could, I could see them vying for that kind of world again. Sure, yeah. But Leonard, it's important to know, Ezra's not talking about diseases or pandemics here. Oh, God. There were plagues in other eras too, but I'm not talking about diseases or pandemics here. I'm talking about the man-made side. The comparison here would be more like world wars. If you believe the World Health Organization, then I don't recommend it. 3.8 million people have died in the entire world because of COVID-19. That's not good, but that's nowhere near the health calamities of the past. And you have to be skeptical about those stats. How many numbers in the West are inflated because of how a COVID death is counted? In many places, including in Canada, it's anyone who dies who tested positive for the virus less than 30 days before they died. So you actually didn't die from the virus. You died and you had the virus. If you What? Oh, uh, yeah. It's that old. It's the narrative. What? It's it's from that world. It's from Alex Jones, from Ezra Levant. It's the narrative about how people just say COVID when anyone dies, which is just not true. We, we've been down this path before, Leonard. Yeah. And in fact, it's, it's the case that there are actually likely more cases um, than have been reported and more deaths that have been, than have been reported, especially in poorer countries. There are almost certainly more COVID-related deaths that haven't been reported by what some people estimate to be a, f- a fairly high amount. Yeah. And just to go back to that Black Plague comparison, I, I, I just got reminded by uh, a Foucault article that when he talks about surveillance and society and these kinds of things, then he goes on to talk about the panopticon, so the, 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 the few surveilling the many. Um, but he talks about, in the beginning of, his, of this, this article, he talks about the public health measures that were taking that were taking place during the 14th century in some of these places where there were extreme lockdowns where families had to stay in their uh, their residences and an administrator would literally go from house to house look in the window and see if anybody in that household died so if somebody in the household died they would have to throw a, a white flag in the doorway or in the window, put the body in display of that window, and then the, the administrator would go house to house and then uh, register who died, who is still alive in that place, but you were not allowed to go outside. Those are extreme, extreme measures, and that's what public health was in the 14th century, right? Um, so that's kind of what they're, I guess, what they're complaining about. Is that? Well, um, uh, yeah, I think, I don't know. You kind of lost me a little bit there, <laughs> to be honest. Well, I, just, I understand just like, what you're saying. You know, they're comparing, the, they're comparing the two different diseases and stuff like that. But the political side or the human side that he's talking about, you know, is, is also an old trope. The, the same things that are happening now happened then as well. Yeah, it was just, I guess it would have been a little bit less, for lack of a better term, civilized, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, well, because it's proto, that had never, ever happened before. Yeah. And he notes, Foucault actually does note that that is really the first time that public records were kept. 
and created for that matter. That's when public registries were created during the plague. And that's kind of when big bureaucracy kind of came about because they needed a way to make sure that when things like the plague happen again, they're prepared and they have a way to kind of enact better public health measures. So it's an evolution of, of public health measures, I guess, so to speak. You call it an evolution of public health measures. Ezra calls it an evolution of tyranny. Of course. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying, Leonard. And I, I just, I don't think, yeah, he's comparing it in only in deaths, but he's not looking at the administrative side, I guess, of either pandemic and understanding that well, it actually seems like you're a lot more free during COVID-19 than you were during the, the, the black yeah. plague, right? <laughs> um, he's only trying to do it as a way to sensationalize or underplay, I guess I should say, the amount of deaths of COVID-19. Exactly. Because, you know, the sophistication of medicine in the 14th century was the same as now. And therefore, it's in, in, an equal comparison, right? Totally. Yeah. We'll just cherry pick the facts and make it an equal comparison. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's hear some more. Word they say, but my whole point here is the pandemic was comparable to a bad flu season, but it's the man-made deaths that are staggering. Okay. Comparable to a bad flu season. Again, are we back in February 2020? Like what's yes. happening right now? Yeah, we are. Let's let's just see if that's true. Uh, Leonard, uh, according to an article published in Medscape in August of 2020, quote, the World Health Organization estimates that worldwide annual influenza epidemics result in about three to five million cases of severe illness and about 250 to 500,000 deaths. So on the high end of that estimate, there is still eight times more deaths from COVID-19 than the flu during a bad flu season. On the low end, 16 times more deaths. So, Ezra, stop fucking doing things like comparing it to the flu because it's just not the same. That's just the reality. It's not the same. The flu sucks. Nobody wants to get the flu. The flu is terrible, but we've also found ways to really help mitigate the issues of the flu with seasonal flu vaccines and just kind of understanding some of the precautions to take during flu season, right? It's, mm-hmm. I just, I, the comparison, cause this is an unprecedented, you know, viral epidemic or viral pandemic in COVID-19. We haven't dealt with something qu- the same as this in its specifications. We've had other SARS-CoV viruses before, but they weren't the same as this. Well, never at this scale. Never at this scale. Uh, They were never uh, as easily spreadable. Um, They didn't have these kind of different levels of effects because we're also talking in absolutes here a lot of the time. We're talking about deaths. And and COVID-19 does a lot more than just kill people. It causes long-term lung damage. I've seen x-rays of people who have suffered some serious lung scarring from COVID-19. People have ongoing breathing issues. They have obviously heart and circulatory issues as a result of these things. And, you know, who knows what else? 
there's also problems of course with taste and uh, lingering headaches and, and the list kind of goes on. So even when we're talking about how ridiculous Ezra's claims are, we're doing it in absolutes in terms of deaths, but there's just so much nuance to it. And when I start to think about that, it just makes me even more angry at Ezra. Well, I don't think nuance and rebel and Ezra are in the same room or no. even on the same planet. No, I don't think so either. So all right, so after this stupid flu thing, Ezra goes on and extends a rant about how the death stats are up due to causes indirectly related to COVID-19, Great. specifically focused on deaths by drug overdose. I looked over the stats myself, and there does seem to be um, currently unexplained increase in deaths Specifically in males under 45, that StatsCan speculates um, could be an increase of drug overdose deaths, but there are not concrete numbers out yet. Regardless, this is another situation of Ezra co-opting a cause simply to fit his anti-COVID narratives. Ezra supports pastors that practice gay conversion therapy. How many drug overdoses deaths do you think that that industry has caused over the years? Right. Furthermore, I wonder how fast Ezra would scream socialism if we started providing quality food, shelter, and mental health support to those at higher risk for drug overdose. And lastly, how do you think Ezra feels about safe consumption sites? I looked on the, Re on the Rebel site for how they write about it. And unsurprisingly, they don't seem to support them at all. There was only a few articles, but in one article, they referred to a former Lethbridge safe consumption site as a drug den. Again, Ezra doesn't care about people dying of overdose deaths, and he doesn't want to help them. He just wants to use them as a statistic to back his shitty fucking ideas. All right, so... The question is, has the pandemic caused hardship for people? Absolutely. There's no question that COVID-19 lockdowns have been hard on people, all sorts of different people. But is it really a situation where governments um, have total control? Because they're kind of damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't. Mm -hmm. In one circumstance, your healthcare system is overwhelmed. And in another circumstance you know, you're having issues with drug overdose deaths, right? It's shitty. Yeah. Right. Well, what we can learn from this is that our system at large is broken. Capitalism sucks and it sucks at caring for people. We need to change these things, right? We yeah. need to find better ways to address these issues of inequality. Well, that's, that's the thing, right? Like capitalism Capitalism is probably the most dehumanizing economic system in that you're not a person under capitalism. You're just a, an economic piece of the puzzle. You're an employee. You're a worker. Uh, you're a means of consumption. You're, uh, you're a salary. Right? You're, uh, yeah. you're a tax bracket. You're yeah. a annual health care cost, an annual yeah. education cost. That's what you are in the system of capitalism, right? Yeah. I mean, look at, look at a lot of capitalist um, 
institutions, right? That, that kind of started when North America started. So people had to come to Canada to, or come to where Canada became to settle because, you know, capitalism, because the, 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 the British monarchy needed to open up new markets, right? New markets. That's all, that's all countries are to, to capitalists, new markets. So fuck everybody else, but profit, right? Profit is king in that world. And people, yeah. human beings are, I don't even think are secondary, maybe tertiary, you know, is, is where human, uh, you know, human life is maybe. Maybe. <laughs> even, maybe. even if it's tertiary. It, it holds low right? value in capitalism though. It really does. Yeah. I mean, you've got insurance. So if somebody dies on your work site, then you can just file a claim and get that money back or whatever. Yeah. So is a human is a human life even tertiary or is it even part of a part of the equation who knows i don't think it is it's yeah anyway <laughs> it's dark leonard it's dark and <laughs> yeah ezra supports the darkness but he pretends he doesn't when it fits him well i got one last thing that he's going to talk about here he went on for quite a while about um about that last in the, in his last little segment there and, and now he switches he shifts and he talks about the vaccines a bit so buckle up leonard we're <laughs> in for a wild ride here oh god willing to spare that was 2020 and you know what we didn't measure in 2020 in canada deaths from the vaccines again don't, don't blame coronavirus 19 for that as you know coronavirus kills old people the lockdowns kills young people. How about vaccines? Well, the thing is, they're not done being tested yet, so we don't quite know. I've read to you before, and I'll read it. Okay, here we go, Leonard. The vaccine is killing everyone. Oh, my God. Yeah, so um, let's take a look at the, at the stats here. So I got, I got some stuff from Stats Canada loaded up here. So total to date uh, in Canada, uh, last updated on June 11th, there has been 28,156,222 total doses of COVID-19 vaccine administered. Of those, there has been a total of 7,408 adverse events following immunization reports, which is 0.026% of doses administered. Of those, 5,843 total adverse events um, were non-serious. So out of the total events, 0.021% of all doses, sorry. Let me say that again. I, I was a little bit unclear there. So 7,408 total adverse events. Of those, um, 5,843 were non-serious, okay? Mm -hmm. 1,565 were reported as serious. So that's 0.006% of all doses administered were deemed serious. So now if we fall down, if we go down the page on Stats Canada to the definitions of a serious adverse event, this is what they are potentially. Results in death is life-threatening, 
an event or reaction in which the patient was at real, rather hypothermic risk of death at the time of the event or reaction. Requires inpatient hospitalization or prolong or prolongation of existing hospitalization. Results in persistent or significant disability slash incapacity or results in congenital or anomaly slash birth defect. So those are what the definitions of serious adverse events are. Right. So if I scroll down the page a little bit further, it has a breakdown of actually what all the events were. And so the number one adverse event is vaccination site pain by a fairly long shot that accounts for about 1500 of the total adverse events. Hmm. Um, the, the next one is para uh, para para uh, para, I fucking don't know, how to <laughs> but it, it says tingling or prickling. Okay. Ah. The next thing is itching. Oh, parasthesis something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's not try to say that. <laughs> so the next is itching. The next is redness down the list is headache and you just keep going and going. And so the very, the, the, Vaccination site inflammation is the lowest on this chart of registered um, adverse events. There's a little bit over 100. And deaths are so low that they haven't actually made it to this graph. But Stats Canada does talk about the deaths a little bit lower on the page. So up to and including June 11th, 2021, a total of 109 deaths were reported after the administration of a vaccine. Following medical case reviews using the World Health Organization causality assessment categories, it has been determined that 30 of those deaths are still under investigation. 44 of these deaths are unlikely linked to a COVID-19 vaccine. 29 deaths could not be assessed due to insufficient in information. And six deaths followed a diagnosis of TTS, um, refer to the thrombosis with thrombo syndrome. <laughs> uh, so as of right now, they can confirm without a doubt that six deaths came as a result of a COVID-19 vaccine. Um, 44 deaths were unlikely. And there's basically another 59 deaths that are up in the air still. Uh, 29 couldn't be assessed. So at most... If we just took all of these deaths as COVID-19 deaths, that's 109 deaths um, out of, you know, uh, 28 million doses administered. So not even, plus. not even any, like a, a statistician would even look at that. It's not even, it's not even registered as a thing. So I don't yeah. want to reduce those deaths no. um, to nothing because they're statistically insignificant, but to those 109 people they're everything well of course right? i mean and, yeah and to their family yeah. it means a lot so I, i'm not i'm not aiming to reduce those deaths to nothing and say that it doesn't matter it sucks yeah but if, if if we had just infected 28 million people with covid19 what do we think those numbers would look like well that's i think there of... would be a lot more deaths because not even close to 28 million people got COVID-19 in Canada. 
and yeah. we had somewhere in the range of 13 to 20,000. I think, I think the official numbers are somewhere in the mid 20,000s for deaths as related to COVID-19 in Canada. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, as you're kind of talking there, I'm trying to think about the kind of crux of Ezra's argument and the thing that kind of jumps out to me is when he calls it an experimental vaccine. And I'm just, I'm just, I would love to ask him if what he would propose as the alternative, like, would he rather have, you know, Pfizer and BioNTech and Moderna and all those other, other vaccines do like the closed behind closed doors trials and this and that while COVID-19 just rages and rips through populations. Well, and at this like, point, we keep saying what, it's untested. Uh, it's experimental, he keeps saying. Yeah. But at this point, how many millions of doses have been administered? Well, yes, like, especially now. But, like, what I'm trying, like, I, fear is aut- automatically, the baseline of anything that Ezra and, and Rebel is talking about here in this regard is just fear. It's just, you know, fear of, of science or fear of the unknown. But what would happen what would have happened in their argument if the vaccines were you know not approved for emergency use whether they had to go through the regular traditional channels of of testing and and group testing and this and that while covid numbers and deaths increased well would they be screaming for the vaccine then would they be you know like let's be clear though i want i want to clear something up here leonard they have gone through a lot of the traditional channels of testing. Yes, that is fair. variations yeah. of the mRNA vaccine for SARS COVID viruses have been in the works since I believe 2012. And they've yes. been continually refined and tested on and refined. And, and so it's not like we woke up one day and had a magical vaccine that came out overnight. So, and that's what, and that's another thing that Ezra would have you believe, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's because, because he wants, yeah, he wants to scare. This is unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. When in reality, unfortunately, a lot of fucking mice have died <laughs> testing. Yeah. To Fair, get yeah. to this point, right? Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been made. It's been, it's been refined. It's been remade. It's been re-refined over and over and over again for a decade. So yeah, um, it has gone through a lot of those traditional channels and the only reason it's got that emergency use status is because that was essentially what was required to get it past some of the red tape, but it still had to go through a lot of red tape to get the emergency approval. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the fact that we have a vaccine to begin with, not only do we have a vaccine, we have at least three viable vaccines that have, you know, obviously have 90% plus effectiveness, the fact that we have that is a testament to the human mind and, the, and what humans are actually capable of doing. And the yeah. fact that we even have vaccines writ large to begin with, that the polio vaccine was, was, uh, was invented is, is, an, you know, is a human-made miracle onto itself. Like the fact that that science was able to, to, to be produced. Like, Imagine an, imagine a world where vaccines didn't exist. That's a, that's a shitty world. 
right? Like, and and another thing to note though, talking about vaccines is so I, I was studying vaccines um, quite extensively for some of my master's work, and there is almost nothing that is scrutinized more than vaccinations uh, when it comes to the rigor of follow-up studies of monitoring vaccine events. Like if anything goes wrong with a vaccine, like it's reported, like look at these fucking stats that I just read off. Like they have accurate numbers of how many people had sore arms as a result of getting the vaccine. Like it's, you know, it's, uh, it's very, very heavily monitored. And if anything goes wrong, they're, they're ready to, to pull vaccines out of use immediately. I mean, that's even happened a couple of times. Like exactly. there was the stuff with the AstraZeneca vaccine where yeah. people started kind of freaking out about these blood clots that were happening at a rate that was like one one thousandth of the amount of blood clots that happened from birth control, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's a serious thing to get a blood clot and potentially die from it. But we're okay with like a huge percentage of the female population taking birth control. That's a thousand times more likely to give them a blood clot than a fucking vaccine. Yeah. I just don't get it, man. Like, yeah, where it's do just we another one of those battles. Yeah. It's just another one of those examples of things that are now kind of brought to the attention of a lot of people. Thanks to COVID-19, right. Those, those kind of comparisons that, yeah, sure you get you have a, a a literally a one in a million chance of getting a blood clot due to AstraZeneca but the you know the rate of blood clots and, and stuff like that from like you said from birth control are far far more significant yeah and and the and the, the crazy thing about that just to to dive off on the birth control thing for a second the the rate of blood clot for birth control pills for women for hormonal birth control pills for women is high but factors like drinking and smoking and these kind of things yeah. each increase it by a significant amount so you have this like perfect storm of you know young women who want to be on birth control for reasons of not wanting to have a child not be ready also maybe in like the prime of like their maybe party life where they're going out drinking with their friends sure. sometimes and maybe yeah. smoking cigarettes and whatever. And each of those factors is increasing their risk um, by a significant amount. And, and we're not freaking out about that, which we ought to be yeah. <laughs> but we're freaking out about this AstraZeneca thing. I don't know, man. It's just so backwards to me sometimes. And I, and I do know, I do know personally in my life, and this is totally anecdotal. I know two women who have had strokes, um, one that almost died. Um, oh, wow. And they said it was a result of um, mixing uh, cigarette smoking with uh, their birth control. Wow. Yeah. I say we normalize vasectomies. Hmm. I say we normalize male birth control. Yeah. I'm Easily reversed. It's now, it's not even evasive anymore. They, there's no incisions. It can be reversed at any time. You go in for like a 15 minute snip, snip, you're done. There it is. There no it blood is. clots, you know? <laughs> no blood clots. That's the key. Could you yeah. imagine that? Can you imagine Ezra's response to that? <laughs> oh god he'd lose it <laughs> all right so anyway what i wanted to get through looking at some of that stats canada stuff is is ezra's full of shit you know the COVID 19 vaccine yeah. has has definitely led to a couple of deaths 
you know, we know of a few, but the thing is, is, is everyone is significant. Like almost every death that happens and that they can link to COVID-19 makes front page news. It's significant. So we know about it. He's trying to make it seem like people are dropping dead left and right from it. And that's just not true. That's just not true. There are some side effects that can be associated with them. They're rare, uh, but we know about them now. And so that means that we can better protect against them. Exactly. Nothing in medicine is perfect. That is for sure. But everyone's kind of doing the best they can. And I'm thankful for the vaccines coming out as fast as they do. Yes. And I'm thankful to be partially vaccinated and I'm looking forward to being fully vaccinated. Yeah. Wednesday for me, Wednesday is my second dose. Nice. That's exciting, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped for that. Uh, Okay. So let's start wrapping things up here after Ezra talks about the vaccines killing everybody. He goes on to criticize the Alberta government and their vaccine lottery saying that it's a way to dangle a carrot in front of poor people to make them get this deadly experimental vaccine. And to that, I say a big sweet fuck you, Ezra. Places like Alberta need to incentivize people to get vaccines because too many Albertans are listening to fuckheads like you and they're afraid of everyone and everything because of your fear mongering. Yep. People like you are the reason Alberta has such a high instance of vaccine hesitancy, and I fucking hate you for it. Yep. Going back to our little capitalism point, I gotta say, I gotta say that the the motive, the apparent motive that I can see is that if there's no COVID, there's no COVID fight the fines, and there's no more celebrity status or notoriety for what's happening with COVID. Yeah, so that's a big revenue stream that's going to be gone from from the rebel pockets, right? Well, think about since we've been doing this podcast, probably 80% of rebels content has been COVID, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Anti-lockdowns, fight the fines, COVID jails, whatever, right? Yeah. So that's why it's going to be interesting in the next, you know, few weeks, at least six weeks, maybe a couple of months to see how rebel pivots away from COVID-19, can they? Will they, will they able to f- be able to find something else to rally around, you know? like Yeah. Yep. We'll have to see. And I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, Leonard, remember the top of the segment when I said I wanted to cover more Ezra? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I fucking take it back. <laughs> Give me Menzies. Give me Sheila. Give me uh... Seuss. At least I can laugh at them. Ezra just puts me into a blind rage. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's easy to it's easy to laugh at the characters. Like I I I had taken it out, but I had a tweet from Sheila that I was going to talk about where she told Twitter atheists to read the Bible for some reason. Just little things like that that just kind of have to make you chuckle. But yeah, Ezra just kind of puts you in a mood. Hey, he it's just very doom and gloom and. Yeah, I don't know, man. He's just so much more sinister. Yeah, that's what it especially is. I, I think because he, uh, for me, anyways, because of his background, you know, he's a disgraced lawyer. He's not a dumb guy. He went to school. He's an educated man. I feel like he he knows what he's doing. He knows that he, what he's spreading, and I I have to believe that he doesn't believe half the shit he's saying. He that can't. He's doing it, you know. 
Yeah. So yeah, it just makes the, that extra kick in the nuts when it, when it comes from him, because you have to know that he knows better. He does. He definitely knows better. Okay. Anyway, Leonard, on that note, yeah. I'm done with today. <laughs> where, where can people find us? Yeah, dude. So uh, always send us an email. We're always available through that show at loveoftruthpod.com. Follow us on Twitter at loveoftruthpod. If you see something on Twitter, like an article or a picture or a meme from Rebel or that Rebel Spear that you might think will interest us, put on that hashtag, hashtag loveoftruthpod. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. As always, um, love you all. Take care.